Hey everybody, welcome to the TGIF Friday edition of Winners and Winners Radio. I am your host, Scott Steen, and I am the lead handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together we make up Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. Well, Scott, first official real kickoff of week one of college football. How'd you like it? How'd you end up? I uh, did great. Uh, okay. The truth is we're going to go through the games. I'm not going to get overconfident because that's one thing you can warn in this industry is once you get too confident, uh, this type of industry will punch you in the face. Ryan, but I Ryan, a pretty good day. Yep. Good deal. Good deal. All right. Well, then Boris with some tennis stories. Did you make any live tennis plays? Did Sissy Paws have to go to the bathroom again? What What happened? Uh, Sissy Paws actually plays tomorrow, so expect over under uh, one and a half bathroom breaks in that one. Okay. But for tennis, really, no, nah, nothing much. Ended up live betting a guy to win a set. He ended up winning the set. Ended up winning the match, actually, because Karatsev came all the way back to beat uh, Thompson. But for football, I had one game in the rocking chair, which we'll get to, so that worked out well. Other than that, uh, the Ohio State game went basically the exact way that I thought it was going to. I actually didn't touch it uh, before the game started. But then once Minnesota got a lead in the second quarter, I jumped on Ohio State live. So I got a nice winner there. But yeah, overall, pretty good day. Good. How good. about you? You know, we had the push in the Ohio State game. We took the full game there. And a couple of, you know, not quite called the cops worthy beats, but a couple games that we were there and just didn't have it go our way. So yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about that. But you know what? Let's take it, let's kick it off, man, because we got a lot to get to today. We're gonna do Pretty much the full board of college football again, everything that's available. There's four games involving FBS teams, and there's another four games that involve FBS teams and FCS teams, and we'll talk about those, although we've we've uh, promised Scott not to touch very long on the Eastern Michigan-St. Francis of Pennsylvania game. You wanted to. I overruled you. Well, we'll, we'll do, oh, we're going to talk about it, buddy. Oh, I know we are. It's just, I'll let you have the floor on that one. What, okay, and I know you're really good at this stuff. It's the St. Francis of Pennsylvania. What's the name of their team? Uh, oh, boy. Uh, if I, I gave know, you, I know the damn, I know the logo. If I I'm gave you red, could you get it? I was trying to think, are they the Hawks? No. The red, the something? They're the red, okay, red Flash, buddy. Uh, the Red I w- Flash. I would, I would not have gotten that. I was, I was doing some work on St. Francis of Pennsylvania, and... The, I, what I thought was the oddest thing was the second question that came up on Google, is St. Francis a party school? The answer, yes. Tons of ragers every night. That was the official answer. So if, you wanna, if, you're, if you're in the area of Loretto, Pennsylvania, you're looking for a party school, apparently you could do worse than St. Francis. I'll keep that in mind. Okay, very good. I already graduated, but I'll keep that in mind. You know, there's, you know you need, you're looking for that uh, graduate degree. You're looking for that master's, Scott? Uh, well, there is legal sports betting there, so that is a tempting option. Very good. All right. Well, you know what? Let's get her rolling, man. Like I said, we do have a lot to get to. Of course, all of our we talk about our little college recap. We're going to talk about what's going on in the college tonight. And of course, we'll bring you our bet the farm play as well as predictions on every single game. So that's going to kind of be a deal. And then now this won't apply if you listen to us in radio format, but if you uh, download us on podcast format from Google Play, from Spotify, or from Anchor, or wherever you get your favorite podcast from, we are going to be doing a special edition. We'll be doing just one this week because there's no NFL, but we're going to be doing a special uh, show for the college football games that are going to be played on Saturday. And then starting next week, we're going to be doing one for college and one for pros that'll be available as a uh, video, we'll probably put it up on our YouTube channel or as a podcast download. So just because there's no radio doesn't mean we're not going to be still out there banging. Did you know we were going to do that? Did you ask for a raise? Did you get your raise like I did? Uh, I did not, but uh, we'll talk. I'll talk Ooh. to somebody after the show. Ooh, speaking of call the cops. Hey, let's do call the cops, Scott. Let's find out who it didn't go well for here on opening night of week one. I know there was some. Uh, I know there were some tough beats out there. Let's find out who they affected in today's Call the Cops segment. All right. I just, yeah, you got no time to listen to that. Come on now, get those sirens out of there. Scott, let's start with baseball. Hey, let's start with baseball, shall we? If you had the Nationals on the money line, I forgot to tell you this story, by the way. Now I'm going to have to tell you the story on, on air. If you had the Nationals on the money line, they were playing the Phillies. 
Nationals led six zip after five innings. They led six three after seven. The Phillies feasting on that Nationals bullpen scored four runs in the eighth inning, and they ended up losing seven to six. If you had the Nationals on the money line, man, call the cops. All right, Scott. Here's the story. I'm I'm jacking around. I come in my office. I turn that game on. And I see it's I see it's six nothing, and I'm looking at the odds, and there's two there's two men on for the team that I assume is the Philadelphia Phillies. So I'm getting fourteen to one. I'm saying, man, that seems like a great prize. Oh, oh, oh are you done? Oh, I thought the, I thought the screen had frozen. Oh, oh, I honest whoa, to God, sorry. all right. Yeah. So oh, I sorry. Okay. So, so I live bet it. At at fourteen to one, they get out of the inning. Like, oh, okay, well that sucks. They didn't get anybody in. So I'm falling asleep out here. You're the still next telling the story. So the next inning, they the team another the other team loads the bases. They hit a double, and I'm like, oh god, it's nine nothing now. I'm totally screwed. I look up the score. It's six to three. Scott, I had misidentified which team was which. The Phillies were wearing the, the dark the the full red tops. And I'm so used to the Nats having that having that uniform on that I'm just like, that's the Nationals. I completely live bet it, got 14 to 1 on, on the Phillies for a totally wrong reason, but I got to cash the ticket. So there you go. You're awake now? Uh, n- yeah, cool. All right, great story. I was actually, uh, I was getting ready to take a screenshot and send it to you. I thought your internet had finally died, and I was going to take a screenshot of the, that ridiculous pose you were in. So, congratulations. No, anyway, uh, looking at the other call, the cops in baseball, if you had the Pirates and Cubs under eight and a half, you had eight runs going into the top of the ninth. Pirates scored two runs in the top of the ninth to send it over, also went to extras for fun, and the Cubs ended up winning six to five. Cubs, peaking perhaps at the wrong time. <laughs> Well, Scott, yep. you know we were going to talk about a little football here. If you had Weber State, Utah, first half under 27 and a half, congratulations. Over, you're, you're, over in, 27 you're in midseason form, over 27 and a half. Well, they started off well. They had 20 points in the first quarter. All you need, just a couple of scores, guys. Can you do that? They had 26 points with 12 minutes left in the second quarter. And that's where it ended, 19 to 7 at halftime. Utah looked like they, speaking of sleeping, they looked like they, they slipped, walked through. Slept, walked through? Sleepwalked through? Which is I have that issue all the time. Sl- sleepwalked through yeah. about half of that game. It was, yeah, it was it was not good. Weber State, yeah, a decent squad, but yeah, you, they should have been nowhere near Utah, even for a half. So if you had the first half over, you should have cashed, but you didn't call the cops. No points in the final 12 minutes. That's got to hurt. All right, now let's go ahead. This is going to be an opportunity for uh, us to take a a little bit of a victory lap here, Scott, as we talk about the college football edition of the Rockin' Chair. Those nice, easy wins. Let's check it out. So the first game was actually my play of the day. I had NC State minus 20. I really had 18 and a half, but it closed at 20 against South Florida. Light at 24 to nothing at the half. Ended up winning 45 to nothing. South Florida, people keep trying to tell me this team can get better. Are we sure about that? (laughs) Because they're not very good. You know who's a terrible football team, Scott? Who? Doubles. Oh, nice. Bad. (laughs) Thank you. Very bad. I'll be here all week, folks. They're very, very bad. Hey, if you followed my advice and took Western Kentucky over UT Martin, I told you that Skyhawks team was terrible. uh, uh, If you had over 58... Uh, they put up 42 in the first half. You were feeling pretty good about this one. Yeah, you didn't end up on call of the cops. Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers, ended up topping that total all by themselves. They scored 59 all by their lonesome, and UT Martin somehow managed three touchdowns. That could be their season total. That game ended 59-21. That's 80. That is well above the total of 58. You were in the rocking chair. And the last one was probably the easiest one. If you were keeping tabs on Eastern Washington and UNLV first half, the under 33 and a half was probably the sharpest play on the board because you had zero points in the first quarter and six points in the second quarter. That's also in Vegas. So I don't think there was any rain going on out there. That's just two bad offenses going at it. Is that a fair way to put it? Not, 
not not good. You know, it's it's the first game of the season. You you expect to see some uh, some speed bumps along the way. So that's surprising, though. First game of the season, but UNLV is already in midseason form. Yeah, they really they really are. Um, all right, so let's take a look here, Scott. There were some there were some definite questionable lines, and there was some uh, definite questionable performances by the teams. Let's start off. We're gonna we're gonna. We're not going to some organization that did something stupid. We're not doing to some player that tweeted something. We're going to go right to the heart of the matter, and we're going to award it to a team. And this team is so deserving, I can't even tell you, Scott. Let's check out and see who today's donkey of the day is. All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we gotta move here, buddy. We're gonna we're cut, we're cutting the donk a little short today. So Scott, you know what? You do this one. Tell us tell us about the Golden Hurricane. So the Golden Hurricanes of Tulsa ended up facing off against UC Davis. Do you know the actual name of the mascot for that one? Uh, that's not the Anteaters, is it? No, no that's the Aggies. It's the Aggies. The Aggies. Yes, the uh, Anteaters are a UC Irvine. Irvine, but of course. Anyway. Uh, you ended up having UC Davis, who's an FCS school, traveling to Tulsa in a bye game. Now, if you don't know what a bye game is, that's when the home team could go either pays way. The other team to show up. Yeah, you really? pay the Nothing? other team to show up, so you can, uh, yeah, get a free win. So it's imagine you're giving them two hundred thousand up front or whatever price it is. Right. The other team agrees to get destroyed, and you end up winning with a victory, leaving with a victory, and they get paid. It's one of those. It's one of those. Why would they do that games? If you if you don't know the ins and outs, you look at the you look at a team like that and you go, why why would they even do that? Two hundred grand. That's why. Yeah, they get paid. But anyway, UC Davis had a pretty nice uh, robbery plan because not only did they get paid, but they also won the game. They ended up beating Tulsa on the road by two, and Tulsa, of course, without Zayvon Collins from last year, some quarterback concerns. You ex- you expect them to take a step back. Losing at home in the season opener to an FCS school was not one of those type of, I'd say, worries going into the year. That's what happened. They're the donkey of the day. Yeah, tell us, remember last year, they were a good team. Very good team. I know they lost, you know, the defense was really what they hung their hats on. And I know they lost a big piece there on the defensive side of the ball. But good grief. That's That's like when somebody breaks into your house, ties you up and robs you. And just as they're leaving, you're going... Wait a minute, wait a minute. You know where the really good stuff, it's in my safe deposit box. Let me get my key and I'll drive us down there. Yeah, I don't, yeah, not only do you steal their money, you stole a victory. Good God, that's... 22 and a half point favorites at home. Not good. Not good, Scott. So you'd think the odds makers would have had to have been pretty drunk on that one, right? Maybe that's got to be odds makers are drunk. Nope, we got another one for you. Let's uh, Let's get the bottles out. Have a little, have a little sip of your favorite adult beverage, Scott, and we're gonna find out why were the odds makers drunk today. You know, this game, and we probably didn't give this one enough play. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you, Scott. I did not look up to see how bad Wagner was. The total in the Wagner Buffalo game was 54. That was the total, Scott. The Bulls, the Bulls, they're actually good. They put up 69 by their lonesome. The Wagner, I don't know, blenders, whatever they are. I don't know what they are. The the Wagners, they did not do well. They put up seven. That game ended at 76, so not good. Not good at all. Buffalo wins by 62. Total of 54? Really? Really, Scott? I thought that was going to be the team total there. Not a great job defensively by the Seahawks there. Uh, Buffalo did whatever they wanted, scored a bunch of points, and at the end of the day, Wagner ended up chipping in a little bit. Do not act. Totals, do not act like you knew that. You just look. I, you just looked that up. Truth is, I thought it was the Eagles. Look, I, knew, I knew it was a bird. Look at that but, face. It's a good thing you play poker online and not live, buddy. No, I mean at, at that point, I wasn't even trying to hide it. You saw me trying to type it in, but I knew. I thought it was a bird. I thought it was the Hawks of some kind or the Eagles. But anyway. Point is, is that there's a difference between getting a total wrong where Western Kentucky beats the total by one point by themselves. Buffalo beat the total by more than two touchdowns by themselves. That's an awful total. Yeah, yeah, that is that is not good. <laughs> not good at all. So 
And I hate games like that because, you know, what do you learn? You, you don't learn anything. You learn Wagner's really bad. I hope Wagner got 400K instead of 200K. No That's kidding. Hey, quick reminder, you guys, you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winner. Scott, I know we didn't have this on our official schedule, but I've got one. <laughs> I'm going to award a on-the-fly gambling hero of the day. This is a personal hero of mine today. Scott, I'm going to award my gambling hero of the day to an unnamed gentleman wearing the striped shirt. Actually, the whole crew in the Ohio State-Minnesota game. Perhaps you saw that game. Ohio State up by 14 points late in the game. Minnesota driving for what would have been the touchdown to beat the number. Little pass over the middle, Scott. And the defensive back absolutely tried to take his head and remove it from his shoulders. He was unsuccessful, but he was successful at knocking the ball out. So they go to review it. And you're thinking, well, it's going to be targeting. He's going to be out of the game. It's going to be about first and 10 from the 15-yard line. And there goes my push. Well, Scott, that's not at all what happened. What happened in that game? Well, Fox, who's broadcasting the game, puts down on the TV targeting review. So you assume that he's going to get thrown out of the game because the other guy's not moving on and, the floor. And the referee just said, he just said the, the the last play is under review. He did not mention it's under review for targeting. So go so ahead. So Fox assumed it was targeting and they brought in Mike Pereira, who basically said they're reviewing it for targeting. That guy's getting ejected. They came back out after two minutes. No mention of targeting. They just said it was a catch and the guy fumbled the ball. Did it have anything to do with the fact that his brain might not be intact anymore? No. It had to do solely with the ball being loose. Ohio State recovered, ran out the clock one by 14. That officiating crew was truly heroic. Yep. Oh, man. All right. I thought I had it queued up ready to go again, but I did not. So All good. All right. You'll just have to settle for one trumpet fanfare. So we talked a little bit about some of the games. Overall, Scott, any impressions from the games? Did we learn anything? Were we surprised about anything other than Tulsa being perhaps way worse than we anticipated? We kind of thought that'd be middle of the pack there in the uh, in the conference. I can really say that nothing surprised me too much. Oh. I expected the UCF Boise game to be very entertaining, and it was came down to the wire, so that game was fun. Uh, but looking at every other game on the card, if you laid wood against FCS teams in most cases, you fared pretty well. Of course, you had the exception of the UC Davis upset, but you had a lot of money coming in on Eastern Washington against UNLV. Let's just say that Eastern Washington went from about plus nine to minus two leading up to the game. So UNLV is as bad as we thought they were going to be. Based on everything else, no, I expected Ohio State to struggle early, which is why I said if you like Minnesota, take the first half. And then Ohio State would destroy them in the second half because they're better athletes at every single position. And they were. I guess the main takeaway that I had, C.J. Stroud, I know they won the game. Not very good. Is that a fair statement? Um, I think it's his first game. I, I That's think, fair. I, 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 can I, I don't want to eliminate his Heisman odds because he was so bad in the first half. Just to put into perspective, by the way, I know he ended up with four touchdowns in the second half. He had five completions in about the first 25 minutes of the second half, four touchdowns out of five completions. So are you, what are you mad about that? He didn't have more completions or that he threw that kind of ratio. I'm just kind of annoyed at the idea that he might not have ended up hurting his Heisman stock because of the touchdowns at the end, but you could just watch for the first two and a half quarters of that game. First two quarters and just tell that this guy clearly shouldn't be a Heisman candidate. I just don't think he's good enough. And I know that he might get better as time goes on. But I feel like every one of his touchdowns, there was a guy about 20 yards wide open. Is that is that fair? Well, okay. So that's his fault? It's not his fault. My main takeaway, I guess that was the shocker to me because a lot of games went the way that I thought they would. I just didn't think C.J. Stroud was as good as I thought he was going to be. Okay. Well, and I'm probably... I'm being harsh, but that's my main surprising takeaway because I really didn't have many. Well, okay. So if you're saying he didn't pass the eyeball test, but if I'm yeah. looking if I'm looking at Heisman, if I'm looking at Heisman voting, 
I'm looking at 13 for 22, 294, four touchdowns, one pick. Okay. It's okay. It's not it's 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 not eliminating you from from competition from the competition. So that's that's what I'm saying. What was your favorite? It's not. I'm just saying by What was your what was your favorite quarterback line of the night? My favorite quarterback line had to have been Western Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, you got you got Zappy who uh, ended up transferring over from Houston Baptist. He had seven incompletions in the entire game. He had seven touchdown passes in the entire game, so he did pretty well. I'm sorry, that's that's just impressive. That's like shooting your age in golf. If you if you have equal to or greater touchdown passes than you have incompletions, you've had a fine game. I don't I I don't I don't care even if you're playing for Army, you know if you're if you're two for three and you've you get, you've got uh, two touchdown passes, that's still an impressive performance. So yep, you know what Eastern Washington could have used Scott a field goal kicker. That's you look at some of these FCS guys, and that's they had you know they had their opportunity to win it there in regulation. That's just pretty much the way my day went. So, and I did say, you know, I anything. Did you like? Did you like Grayson McCall? You thought you, you think he looked solid there for for Coastal, or did we not learn anything by the comp, okay. by the competition against the Citadel? Is it the Citadel? Anything? Uh, yeah, it's the Citadel. But I was kind of disappointed in a way. But it wasn't really his fault because they could just run the ball for as many yards as they wanted to each time. You kind of were hoping that he would throw, let's just say, two touchdown passes to be conservative, maybe five. Right. But he had one. Yeah. He had one in the entire game. Yeah, like they, you kind of were hoping he'd put up a number that I don't want to say would give him a Heisman shot, but you wanted maybe Coastal to purposefully inflate his numbers so he would maybe have a talking point or two on television after the first game that did not happen. Yeah. But, they, they didn't do any of that. They, they brought in two backups for a McCall and they mainly just, just ran the ball. Yeah. Just absolutely pounded the rock. So, you know, and it was coastal. You want to play, if you want to play coastal second half, they're, they're a heck of a good second half team. And part of it is because they're so far down, usually in the first half that you see a lot of second, third stringers, <laughs> but you know, it was a, uh, I, you know, Grace McCall, 16 for 19, 262. <laughs> he was, he was solid. That's a good team. I was kind of angry because I worked hard. I worked hard this whole game after, after being down 31, nothing and having coastal plus or having the Citadel plus 35. I finally got there, Scott, in the fourth quarter as the Citadel were down 45 to 14 with about five minutes left, Coastal gets the ball. They're still running their full offense, baby. They're and they and they hit like a thirty-yard strike, and it killed me. I just needed them to move the ball a little bit slower, and we'd have been good. But that's not the way it worked out. I'll tell I'll tell you one surprise actually okay. that I had. Um, it wasn't a surprise to me because I mentioned the win total under. Are people admitting that East East Carolina is bad again? What's the story? I took a ton of money against Appalachian. You and I, you and I talked about it yesterday, and you know we that that I didn't Ap- get it. That Appalachian State team, fantastic defense last year, an offense that was getting better like every week, and they brought back twenty starters. And you're like, well, the question East, was, Bryce everybody's like, and everybody's like pounding East Carolina. The question was, of course, with Bryce, but you have Peoples, you have Noel in the backfield, and East Carolina is a team that won three games last year. Win total was five and a half. The under was plus one twenty. I don't know how they think that's a bowl a bowl game team. I don't see it. Yep. I you know obviously they're not going to play Appalachian State every week, but they did not acquit themselves well at all in in that yep. game at all. Um, that was basically it. That was that's your that's your that's your only takeaways. Pretty much uh, everything else went the way that I kind of thought it was going to. I, did anything really surprise you? I. I thought it was pretty standard with that Ohio State would score a bunch of points they did I liked NC State they killed them yeah uh everything else was kind of standard wasn't it um I I don't think that well I'll I'll tell you some of the more disappointing performances uh Ball State and Western Illinois this is a Ball State team that was supposed to contend for their their side of the of the Mac uh I don't see it I you know I liked Toledo a lot before I like them even more now. I don't. I don't see anybody challenging Toledo. Of course, you know that Ball State team. That's weird. They're they're a team that had some horrible games last year and then jumped up when it mattered. So it's a great call by you, by the way. I forgot about that game, and I remember that Ball State was a team that we talked about potentially being favored against Toledo and around middle of the season. Right. 
I don't think they're going to be favored for that game. No, no, not not going to happen at all. Um, North Carolina State, did you learn anything of value there? You knew they were, you knew they'd be able to roll over South Florida. Uh, South Florida, another team. Is it like? Is it one of those? Is it, do teams tend to be overly optimistic about their chances, Scott? Is it a lot like the baseball season where everybody's everybody starts the season zero zero and their hope springs eternal? You're hearing these stories about. Eastern Carolina being a bowl team, South Florida getting better, and then the season starts. You're like, well, they're exactly the way they've always been. Um, is that? I think people look at yeah, people tend to look at the coaches, especially in the South Florida case, where Jeff Scott, of course, came from Clemson. He had the offensive background, and people thought the system, you know, might work, and maybe with a couple of years they'll develop into the system and it all work out. And then you realize. No five-star recruits are playing for South Florida. <laughs> it's kind of the difference between Clemson's offense and, and South Florida's offense. You can run any scheme you want. If your team doesn't have much talent, I don't think the coaching background really matters. And you would think that they would be okay with, with recruiting because, you know, obviously there's a ton of players in Florida. They're, they're yeah. just, and, you know, even after, even after Florida and Florida State and Central Florida are done picking, there should still – even JUCOs, any transfer should want to play in Florida. And if South Florida is in where? You know, is it's a great it, question. No it, idea. Yeah, uh, I can't remember. I, I I know I know the answer to this, but so. But yeah, that's no NC NC State going into the game. I thought was a top twenty-five team in the country. Just okay. going in, top to bottom. I think that they had a great offense, great defense. I gave out the win total over eight and a half on them, and the, my favorite ACC win total. That team's just good. You can just watch them play. They're just a solid top-to-bottom team. Agreed. And, you know, I don't know with that Arizona State and Southern Utah game, I don't know if we learned that Arizona State isn't as good as we thought or that San Jose State is really good because I'm not going to say that Arizona State's had any problems with Southern Utah, but they've certainly given them more of a game than a lot of people anticipated. So I said the over. So I was looking pretty good there. Uh, yeah, not really much else to add. I and thought she- Southern Utah would score a couple touchdowns and uh, patted myself on the back on that one because they scored a couple touchdowns. Absolutely. So, all right, bud. Oh, what else we got? What did that? Would you pretty much? Do we hit them? Did we hit them all? We made fun. Uh, we hit pretty much all the main games. I know we had a couple of other topics. Where you I don't on know a... if you want to save them for another time. No, or where you... <laughs> we want to get cap them next week. Um, it's not like these are timely. Like it, I don't know if it really matters. People just want to talk about college football. How about you know how the uh, the one that we didn't talk about was Tennessee and Bowling Green. Tennessee struggled at times. Scott, I I had I had a minus the point there. Another game that we certainly could have won and we're within a shoestring of getting the late victory there. But for the most part, Josh Heupel's offense was okay. Yeah. Oh, it was okay. But when you remember Tennessee's dominating the line of scrimmage on every single snap, you got to keep that into perspective. See, I, I just don't know how they're successful. They're going to be in the sec. Cause you know, they they're predicated on running like 90 to 95 plays a game. And I just don't know how realistic that is unless your defense gets a hell of a lot better. So, you know, Bowling Green. You mean Green, this year or you mean in general? No, I mean this year. I mean, that's, that's they, they want to go fast, man. They want to run 90-plus plays, 85 They're not, plays they're not going to a bowl game. Tennessee is not going to a bowl game? Is that your bold no. prediction? I don't even know if that's bold. I, I know that the out-of-conference schedule is easy, but no. Uh, going into the season, I don't exactly think Heupel's a good coach. I don't think the team's disciplined. We saw that at, at UCF. I just don't see them getting many stops. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with that because this is a Bowling Green team. Remember, they're awful. They're yeah. not. They're not just you know a kind of a bad team. They're awful. They're bottom. You, they're bottom five. UC Davis would have beaten them by three touchdowns. UC Davis, my goodness. Western Kentucky, maybe make some noise there behind um, Zappy. They could potentially. I don't think the defense is any good because they have a couple touchdowns to UT Martin. But I'll take overs in their games. They'll score a lot of points. Yeah, I think I think that's solid. No, yeah, if you're give, if you're giving up twenty one to the Skyhawks, you might have some defensive things to work on for sure. Zappy, we could we could have used him in that Houston game, brother. Just saying. 
that you could use them in any game. Yeah, you know, yeah, good, good point. Seven, seven TDs, seven incompletions. There's a lot of teams that could have absolutely used him. All right, man. So we're going to do uh, take a quick break here, and then we'll be back to take a look at all of tonight's action, college football. You guys, stay tuned. We'll be right back with you. So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner? Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating. Okay. Hey, in my defense, you eat slower than a turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winers? What's Winners and Winers? Exactly. So what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need. Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, 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 but they don't tell you what they mean, and you just kind of your eyes glaze over but these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about winners and winners? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwinners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see, that wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure. You're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I didn't I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them. Oh, man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously, though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there or be square. to the second half of Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. And we're getting ready to deal some winners right here, Scott. We have a really big card, right? Huh? We have we have one marquee matchup and then maybe one that would be like the second show at the drive-in and then every everything else is straight to home video. Is that a, is that a pretty good characterization? Well, we got one and a half because you have one game where you might end up having about 10 combined points, but we'll talk about that game later. The other one is the ACC game involving North Carolina and Virginia Tech. You want to go first on this one? You know, I will. This is a, a North Carolina team that they have a lot of big expectations with Sam Howell and all of that, but they've got some problems. And, well, I don't know that they have problems, but they certainly... They certainly are going to be missing some guys. They've got their, their two running backs that went to the NFL. they got their two wide receivers that uh, have moved on. Their top wide receiver that was going to be this season, he's going to be missing this game. So I'm not sure exactly how that offense is going to, how efficient they're going to be. Plus, you know, Blacksburg night games there at Virginia Tech, Scott, that used to be an absolute... Uh, minefield for the opposition. Now it's the it's the inter uh, inter Sandman Stadium, right? Yes, it is. Uh, Neyland Stadium, right? Uh, no, Neyland's Tennessee, yeah. I think. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't. I couldn't pull it. I thought I could, but yeah, Neyland is there in Knoxville. So you've got a situation here where North Carolina's five and a half point favorite. That line hasn't moved much. Total open sixty six. It's down to sixty three, sixty four, depending on where you get it. So let's talk about the line, first of all. Uh, you agree with the, the line movement in the, total, uh, in the total? Well, I have to agree with it because you mentioned some of the question marks involving North Carolina. Virginia Tech also missed, uh, you know, missing some pieces there. Virginia Tech is a very tough place to play at, and Virginia Tech defensively is usually a solid unit. I know the last couple of years haven't been as strong, my question for you is when you think of Virginia Tech's quarterback from last year, who do you think of? And the answer is you think of Hooker. The only problem is he's a Tennessee now. And the person who's going to be starting this game 
is Burmeister. And I'm sure a lot of people didn't even remember that Burmeister actually started last season as the starter because he was quickly benched. So is he any good? Not really. I like the under. It wasn't, it wasn't ideal. It was not yeah. ideal at all. So well, I'm, I'm sure if you asked anybody who was the starting quarterback for Western, uh, for Virginia Tech last year, they would have said Hendon Hooker. They probably forgot Burmeister was even on the team. Yep, and I'm just not sure what they're going to be able to do on the offensive side of the ball with, with Hooker gone and the kid I can never remember his name, the kid from KU. Uh, Herbert? Herbert. How can, yeah. Does it run and pray. It's basically what your game plan is going to be. You can't throw. Well, and I think the, and the, the thing is, though, is they've got um, a couple of really good receivers. Yeah. So they've got a, they've got a great tight end and they've got a great wide receiver, but they don't have anybody to throw them the ball. I, I don't understand. It's got, why do you leave Virginia Tech to go back up at Tennessee? It's a great question. I, I don't understand that. I thought I thought Hooker was really coming into his own. He was more of a. I thought he was good. He's more of a runner than a passer. You know, allegedly Burmeister is the passer. So. Sure. <laughs> right. Sure. The, the only thing I know is he doesn't run as well as Hooker. So well, Hooker was good. I mean, he'd he'd give you about 120 passing and about 120 rushing. Yeah. And I feel like that that was a good combo there. So I'm kind of surprised that things didn't work out. But we're talking about North Carolina. Of course, you have Sam Howell, who is a phenomenal quarterback. You do lose both phenomenal running backs from last year's team with Williams and Carter going to the NFL. So I do question how that's going to translate but we know the receiving core is very good north carolina is going to want to throw i think that's pretty obvious virginia tech i do think should have some expectations for that i think they'll send a lot of pressure at hell make him uncomfortable but the question that i have for you is i know we're both leaning to the under at what point do you just pass because you already missed about four points of value you're getting close to it that's that is definitely that's a great question in because being profitable long term in the in the world of sports betting is about beating the line movement. It's all it's all about uh, CLV, and you've heard us talk about that a lot. And it, that's closing line value whether you can whether you can beat that final number or not. And so, a lot of times you have a feeling about a game and you wait too long, and you got to let it go. And it's one of the hardest things to do. Would you agree with that as a, as a gambler, Scott? You like. Because you know, well, you talk yourself into well, you know, the sixty-six is about the same as sixty-three, so you just go. It's ahead a lot and harder with anyway. totals than sides. You mean to to what to lay off? To lay off because right. for sides you can tell across the key number. Now I don't want it. Like you have some you have some answers there where you could realize I really thought they'd win by fourteen. Now it's fourteen and a half. Or like you just realize for totals, you start just thinking, well, I mean, if they're not going to get the 67, why would they get the 63? And then the game lands 63, and you feel like an idiot. Right. Yep. It happens all the time in totals. Agreed. Agreed. So, yeah, discipline is in, in, is very, very, impor- is very important. Uh, to answer your question, I think there's still a little bit left. We've lost, we've lost three points. I wouldn't play it. I wouldn't play it much under 63. That's a fairly that's a that's a fairly key number when you're talking about totals in this kind of a game. So I think 63 is going to be about my floor on that. Otherwise, I'm I would I would pass. Uh, what do you like as far as the side goes, Scott? Uh, looking at this overall game, I think it'll be very close. I think that this game is going to go under. I think it'll be very close though. I'm looking at around 31 to 27. I think Virginia Tech's going to keep it close. Now, I, that's kind of a hot take because I mentioned that I don't really like the quarterback at all. Uh, of course, they have a huge home uh, field advantage in Minnesota. In yesterday's game, they weren't didn't have enough talent to keep the game close, but you could tell the home field definitely played a factor for a half. I think you'd agree with that. I think Virginia Tech's going to build some momentum from the crowd in the first half before eventually North Carolina might blow it open late. But I think Virginia Tech first half might be worth a shot if you think – that this team with the crowd behind them, with the atmosphere and just their ability to generate just a serious intimidation factor from the actual crowd. I think Virginia Tech keeps it close. I think it'll be a nail biter. I think Virginia Tech has a shot to win the game. Do I think they're going to? No, but my boldish call, I think it's a one possession game. So what exactly, what do you like about this Virginia Tech team? As a whole, I think that the defense is a little bit undervalued. And I think that people are looking at Howell and they're talking about how he's 
phenomenal and how they're going to be looking at a great group of receivers. North Carolina's defense last year was awful. Can we agree on that? Well, they had an, they had a decent pass rush, but if they didn't get to the passer, they had all kinds of problems. So we mentioned the wide receivers there. Virginia Tech maybe has a good game plan. They could exploit that. I just have a hard time backing a team like North Carolina where you have to score basically 35 to 40 if you want to cover this game on the road because I just don't think they're getting many stops, especially since Surratt's no longer on the linebacking core. I don't like this North Carolina defense. And until they prove to me that they can actually do something, which they haven't done in about two years with Mac Brown, I'm going to lean to the points with the home team. Okay. Kind of a bold call by me, but that's how I'm looking at it. It's a no action for me personally. Well, there's a couple really good trends that point to Virginia Tech, and I'm just I, – I couldn't I couldn't get there. I couldn't get there on this team. All right, so let's talk about – that. that's definitely the marquee game. They <laughs> go downhill yep. a little bit from there. Can I interest you, my friend, in Old Dominion and – uh, I don't. I do the. I get the oh, Wake Forest. That's right. I couldn't. I couldn't think of it there for a minute. Old Dominion and Wake Forest. Who you got here, buddy? Well, for this one, it's an important game for me because even without the spread, I gave out Old Dominion under on their win total as another thing as my favorite play for the Conference USA. So since I gave out the under, let's put it this way: I'm not a fan of this Old Dominion team, and I think they stink. Uh, But looking at the actual breakdown, they didn't play last year. Uh, They won one game the year prior. They brought in a a transfer quarterback who might end up helping them out a little bit. But Mac Jr., who they ended up getting from UCF a while back, not a great thrower, kind of mobile, whole run, but I don't think he's accurate with the ball. Wake Forest has Hartman at quarterback for about the 45th year in a row. I can't believe he's still there, but – they yeah, brought, they brought rece- back everybody on offense. Brought back everybody, and we know how good that Wake Forest receiving core is. They can generate a ton of big plays. I expect a lot of points. Old Dominion might score a couple because Wake Forest's defense was awful last year. I'm looking at the over because I think Wake Forest could potentially score 40 in the first half. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take the over. I think Wake Forest wins like 52 to 17 or something. I just think you'll see this game get into the, uh, let's say, high 60s. You? Yeah, this is a you got this is a Wake Forest team that put up 66 on Campbell last year, and I would, yeah. I would say, they're very similar in quality. The Campbell Camels, I would say, they're very similar in quality to ODU. Um, I okay. I think Dominion's a little bit better, but think, they also haven't played in about a year, so you got to factor that in. Okay, well, they, they you know they 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 can definitely get it done as far as the as far as the offense goes. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm. I like the over. Thirty thirty eight is the or excuse me thirty two is the number. If you think they win by five touchdowns, that's one thing, but you're going to be sweating out second stringers for the entire fourth quarter. I'm just going to go with the over. You know, Wake Forest will probably score fifty plus. And I think that we would agree Old Dominion's offense should have enough big plays against this awful Wake Forest defense. I think they scored at least two touchdowns. And if you got 50 plus 14, that's 64. That's more than 62. Scott, is there any truth to the rumor they're trying to change the name of school to Woke Forest? Uh, I heard that's a myth because you just made it up. Okay, fair enough. All right, so this next game, this is the game that I want the least to do with of any game on the card. It's going to be Duke at Charlotte. It's. I'm. I'm guessing that's a. I'm guessing that's a neutral site game. Uh, Duke opened up six and a half point favorites. That's pretty much where they are. Sixty and a half is the number. Sixty and a half is where it opened. No one cares about this game enough to even bet it, Scott. Neither neither line has moved a bit. What do you got here? I mean, you got to be tempted by Duke, right? I mean, Cutcliffe's the QB with. I mean, look what he did with Bryce. Oh, wait, Bryce was awful last year. Oh, uh, never mind. Uh, yeah, Cutcliffe is a good quarterback, just as a good coach based on reputation. I'm going to throw it out here. His record is 74 and 88. Are we sure he's actually that good of a head coach? Two and nine last year, baby. Not good. Just asking, because I know he gets a lot of reputation. He has a good reputation, and that's why Daniel Jones was taken pretty highly because they viewed Cutcliffe as a QB whisper and whatever. Bryce didn't work out. The team was a disaster. I'm not saying Charlotte's any good, because they're not. But 
I can't really have any action on this one. If you want to do it and you find value, I'm rooting for you. But Cutcliffe is a guy who has a huge name in college sports, and I don't really see the appeal because what am I missing here? This team just hasn't been good the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you, and they've they've definitely got they've definitely got probably they've got Gunnar Holmberg is coming in, Scott. So I'm looking. That's a hell of a name for a quarterback, though. Yeah, they're gonna they're they're uh, and they and he also, by the way, handed off play calling duties to Jeff Ferris, who was the wide receiver tight end coach. So he has uh, actually stepped away. Has Cutcliffe? I think Cutcliffe's just trying to make it through the end of his contract. He's 66. He's got two years left on his contract. He's just praying for an end. He's gonna he's gonna build Snyder it, buddy. That's that's what's gonna happen there. Uh, yeah, I don't care. Um. If, if, if you really want a long, uh, I don't want to say a long shot, but a team that's a dog that you think could maybe win outright. Once again, I'm not telling you straight up, bet your, bet your house on Charlotte Moneyline. But I do think that line is pretty telling. And you might be thinking you're stealing with Duke solely because the name Duke compared to Charlotte. Believe me, the odds makers factored that in. I think Charlotte might be live in this game. Yeah, I, I just... I hate both these. I'm teams. not touching it, but if you want to do a long shot, a sprinkle on something, a money line parlay, and you want a huge payout, Charlotte money line might be worth maybe a sprinkle on that long shot parlay. By the way, last year's score of this game, 53 19, Duke. Yeah. Play the over. Just be done with it. Could be. I'm just saying, it was that big of a outcome last year, and yet the spread is in this one surprisingly close. That right. sounds like a trap to me. Okay. Fair enough. And uh, you're not, you're not wrong. Uh, quick reminder, guys, you are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. And we're uh, getting through this Friday night base uh, football specials. Uh, all right, Scott. So here's the here's the second here's the second movie at the drive-in. If Virginia Tech and North Carolina is your main feature, here's the one that you may or may not stay for. It's going to be the Big Ten battle between the Michigan State Spartans and the Northwestern Wildcats. So we're a uh, we're going to talk about that one a little bit later. You know what? I was Yeah, let's not even do that. Let's just move on. Oh, here's the one that we promised. This is the one that everybody stuck around for, buddy. Eastern Michigan, St. Francis. I really thought you were going to say Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Oh, oh it's next. It's coming okay. next. 32 and a half Eastern Michigan is laying to uh, St. Francis to Pennsylvania. Yeah, St. Francis, Pennsylvania, they're a bad team. They're a bad football team. They're even a bad FCS team. Uh, I'm t- I'm laying the points. Yeah, my advice to you is your TV's fine. They play on a gray field. Look for another game. That's an ugly. Oh, it's horrible. It's, it's the is it worse than Eastern Michigan or Eastern Washington? I think it is. I, I think the gray just looks terrible. It's awful. But just yeah. keep that in mind. I'm not betting it. I'm not telling you to bet it or anything. But if you're watching the game for some reason, remember that their field is naturally gray. Yeah, it's a Sims. It's like a Simpsons thing your tv is not broken that's what they act that's what the characters look like hey kids if you want to know how it was when i was a kid watching football watch an eastern michigan game because everything looks like it's in black and white <laughs> that's exactly what Pretty it looks much. like have you ever seen this have you ever been there you ever seen it uh i have not i've seen boise and i've seen eastern washington and I, I, i'll tell you this tv doesn't do them justice about, i got to assume boise is an absolute sight in person it's unbelievable how, how blue it is and mm-hmm. it's just it takes your breath away uh, all right. Here we go. South Dakota and KU. KU playing two Fridays in a row, by the way. What a treat for America. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. KU, new coach, brought him in from Buffalo. Last coach they brought in from Buffalo, Turner Gill, didn't do so well, Scott. It's where, it's where coaches come to die. Brought in Charlie Wise, he's done. Turner Gill, he's done. So let's see how it goes. Uh, forgot, forgot Les Miles, but true. Oh, yeah, Les Miles. He's done. Sorry. That's right. You're right. So KU, 13.5-point favorites, Scott. Mm. 56 is the total here. Are you really going to lay almost two touchdowns with the Kansas Jayhawks? Would you rather take the points with an FCS team and the Coyotes that – is let's just say not a powerhouse in the FCS. Is that a fair way to put it? The worst thing you could do with South Dakota is get them confused with South Dakota State. Yeah, pretty they, much. They are two very different teams. You know, I got to feel oh, this, 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 this is going to jump back. This is going to jump up and bite me. I have they a, were, I have a they feeling were one, about They were one in three in FCS last year. Like this team is just, 
bad. Uh, there's really not much to say about it. If you think Kansas makes a statement with the new coach, and I'm assuming that Leopold, after what he did with Buffalo, is going to try to run the ball a lot. If you think Kansas's offensive line is good enough to dominate the trenches, then you probably think Kansas is going to cover because I don't know why they should ever attempt to pass. I'm imagining how bad the quarterbacks are going to be for that game. I'm not touching it because South Dakota stinks. I actually think Kansas is going to cover, but I can't bet on Kansas. Can't do it? I can't do it. I think they're going to cover, but I'm not going to do it. By the way, Scott, this is a big game for KU because you remember their season win total? It was a flat one, wasn't it's it? It's a flat one. This is it. This is this is the game. If you had the KU win total either over or under, this is your Super Bowl, kids. Because if they lose it, your bet's done. If you had the over, you're done. I think KU, I think they get and take care of business, Scott. Um, they've got a they've got a kid coming in to play quarterback from North Texas, Jason Bean. Come on Remember now. Guy can run. He can run. He can run. Can't throw, but he can run. You know what? Baby steps, Bob. Baby steps. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give me them. Give me them Jayhawks. Minus 13 and a half. I'll do it. I'll step they, out there. They should actually run the ball every play and they'll win by 25. <laughs> we'll see if they do it or not. Yeah, I, absolutely. By the way, this is a KU team that was scored outscored by an average of, can you guess? G- give me a guess, Scott. How many points were they outscored last year? 35. 30 even. 46, okay. 46, 16. Nice job. Uh, they are world-class bad. I get nothing but joy watching KU play terrible football. I'll, I'll put that on the shelf for a night and root for them as they, uh, as they take on the uh, South Dakota Coyotes. Okay, well, that was that's pretty much the highlight of my night. Uh, Northern Colorado and Colorado, another horrible, horrible FCS team is Northern Colorado. Honestly, I kind of just want to skip that one and just go to Colorado State. Okay. Just, I, I got no thoughts on the team in Boulder. Nothing. I got, I got nothing. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Well, let's go, let's go to Colorado State then as they square off against South Dakota State. Now, Scott, there's been some big line movement on this. South Dakota State actually opened as a three-point favorite, and that has now swung around completely where the Rams are now the three-point favorite. Is that a good line move? Is that does that justify? Is the, is the line going the right direction, or is there over exuberance on the part of the uh, the FBS team? Well, let's just say that unlike the Eastern Washington line movement, which ended up resulting in a push if you got the minus two because they won in over in double overtime, that was based on the fact that UNLV was awful. So people realize the FCS team is the better team in the situation. In this case, South Dakota State when healthy might actually be the better team, but that's the key word when healthy because they made it to the comp, they made it to the title game in the spring FCS championship, whatever you want to call it. They don't exactly have their starting quarterback for this game. You want to talk about that? Yeah, actually they don't have, they don't have either one of them. The, the guy that pretty much took them there last year, Mark Gronowski, he got injured in the first quarter of that championship game against Sam Houston state. The guy that started for him all of 2019, Jabari Gibbs, he's also injured. So they're going to turn to uh, Chris Oladukum, who is a uh, quarterback from uh, Samford. I know he, I know he had a, a drink a cup of coffee in a D1 school as well. So I'm I'm just not convinced that this offense is going to be as efficient as they normally are. There, Colorado State. Uh, make no mistake, they're they're a terrible football team. Just dreadful, dreadful team. Another team that should be running the ball. All the time, they've got um, they've got a couple of decent uh, running backs, but I just uh, don't like this uh, Todd Santeo. Here's some here's some stats for you, Scott. He completed thirty eight percent of his passes last year. Not good. not good, not good, not not good at all. So I can't I cannot get behind. Uh, I can't I can't get behind South Dakota State here. I think because it's still a decent Rams defense. And I think they're just going to run the ball. I think they're just going to uh, run it down their throat, try to throw as little as possible with Centeno. And you know, I don't hate the under there either. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a grind. But that's that's my play there. Yeah, I think that you can look at it and say, well, I don't exactly want to miss out on backing a team that's had a ton of line movement in their favor. They went from an underdog to a favorite. There's a reason why the FCS team was favored 
and now the FBS team is favored. It's because they looked at the FCS team and said, at full strength, you should be favored. Right. But you're not. So I'm going to back the line movement here. I think Colorado State wins by touchdown. All right. Completely agree. All right, my friend, we have reached the last show of the week, and we have reached the last part of the last show. There's only one thing left to do, buddy, and that is to put on your overalls, put on your straw hat, climb up aboard the tractor, and fire up the John Deere, my friend, because it is time once again for the Friday edition of Bet the Farm. So, for the farm play, we're going to be looking at the other important game between Michigan State and Northwestern and for this one we liked Northwestern minus three Michigan State's offense last year was awful averaged just 18 points per game 116th in the nation meanwhile Northwestern averaged 24.7 points per game 89th in the nation now both teams bring in new quarterbacks Michigan State's bringing in Russo from Temple and Northwestern's bringing in Helinski from South Carolina are both those guys good? Not really. And Russo might not even be starting for Michigan State because Mel Tucker and his infinite wisdom decided after about four months, if not longer, preparation, they might be pulling the okie doke on who's going to be the starting quarterback. I don't think it matters because I don't think either option are good, whether it's going to be uh, Russo or Thorne. Let, I don't exactly like either option. Let me, ask you, let me ask you a quick question, Scott. Why do coaches do that? I mean, I get it if you do it two weeks out. Why are you doing it the night before the game? Obviously, they've watched all the game film they're going to watch. Is it is there any kind of a competitive advantage to keeping that hidden till the last minute? I think it's I think it's just all I don't know, maybe they just believe it is when it doesn't actually accomplish anything, but maybe it makes them feel better. But to get back to the point, that kind of takes me to Mel Tucker since he's pulling these shenanigans. I don't need to say this, but I'm going to Pat Fitzgerald, significantly better head coach than Mel Tucker, who came in from Colorado as a defensive mind. How'd that work out? They gave up 35 points per game last year. That Michigan State defense was not good. And Northwestern, 5-0 ATS in their last five home games. We think that Northwestern, despite missing a lot of key talent from last year, has enough to win this game by at least four points. Yeah, that was a hellaciously good defense. And, you know, like you said, they, they have lost some big parts, but – this Michigan State team, they have fallen. You remember when they used to be relevant, Scott? D'Antonio was there, but then they got Tucker, and he's. I, it was a terrible hire at the time, and nothing's really changed. Yeah, and you know, a lot of times we see that where you get it, where you get a coach that's a bad fit, or obviously the game has passed him by, whatever. And it's a little hard to make that change. You know, God bless Texas. For, for good or bad, they don't wait long to pull the plug. They'll buy them out. They get those donors to write those million-dollar checks. Going, yeah, we're going to need $35 million to buy out the coach. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you guys take you guys take a check, right? Yeah, we do. So, yeah, we, that's the long and the short of it. This is really just a situation where this was a better team last year. It's likely going to be a better team this year. And we think there's a big advantage on the sidelines with Fitzgerald over Tucker. They give us the Northwestern Wildcats to roar there in their opener minus the three points. And that's going to be our bet the farm play. We do appreciate you guys checking us out all week. And we're going to have a lot of fun going forward with football. So look forward to that. Sorry to give baseball a short shrift. We're all excited about college football. So you guys uh, stay tuned. Make sure you check us out on the podcast tomorrow as we got all of our plays for Saturday. We'll probably do, we're not going to do every game on the board. We'll do as many as possible and we will kick off week one of our competition where Scott and I go head-to-head picking our best three games. All right, so you guys have a great day. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Thanks for doing all that stuff for myself and for Scott. We'll see you next time on Monday on Winners and Winers Radio. Take care, everybody.